Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of Some People Call That Jesus. This is an episode about a life of excellence, which again, like the other episodes that we have and the things that I've talked about before, this is not comprehensive by any means. It's meant to spark the curiosity and the interest to study and to go deeper into these things that the Bible says, to find out more for yourself and what God has made applicable to you as he teaches you when you take the time to study and learn and read what he has. So looking at a life of excellence and what I feel God has shown to me in the word, which is brand new for me about what it means to be in excellence, to get results in a way as many people and things and companies in this world try to have excellence and they want to achieve results and to have various achievements and awards and accomplish new things never seen before. It's not an uncommon goal or an uncommon desire amongst people and leaders and organizations. Um, But what has God called us to? If we are representing him as his followers, as his people, are Christians called to a life of excellence? Are we called to a life that brings results and achievements, not for ourselves, not for money or that type of gain, but for what God has in store for us, to further his name, his representation, his glory, wonder if we ever have that in mind. I haven't before of understanding that in things like my job or whatever responsibility or task that I may have in my adult life, it's for furthering God's glory. And if it were up to God and him working in the situation, it would get results. It would achieve something good. It would be for the benefit of other people. It would spread his knowledge more. So started to be challenged with that idea of what is an excellent life. And what should a life of a Christian, one who walks with God, led by Jesus, what should our life produce? So we're just going to broach the topic a little bit, get into it slightly today, looking at some of the core of a life of excellence according to the scriptures. And the first verse is in Proverbs. Now just a couple points when we get into the verses and the different things we'll be looking at is that one, we'll be looking at a few different verses from Proverbs, a powerful book of wisdom in the middle of the Bible. Um, and several other, a few other verses as well, several in total. But also, just how it happened to be with the type of translation and some of the wording that the King James Version uses, which is not the typical version or translation that I read out of, but for this one in this study, especially looking for that word excellence and the common theme being strung through these references and these verses, I found it very helpful to have the King James Version in almost all of these different references that we'll read through. So keep that in mind as if you're looking for some of the wording that I say and you don't see that in your translation. The same point will still come across, but if you're able to look in a King James or on your phone, pull up the King James translation of these verses, you'll see some of these key words that I'll be highlighting with this theme of a life of excellence. So the first one again is in the book of Proverbs, and it's Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. So Proverbs 9, 10. And this will help us begin to form the foundation of this excellence that we're told to live in. And Proverbs 9.10 says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding, or knowledge of the Holy is understanding. So what we'll be looking at with a life of excellence is that it's rooted in knowledge and understanding. Those words and those definitions according to the Bible. Wisdom as well, which will be referenced in these different verses that we read, but really we're diving a little bit more into knowledge and understanding as being the roots, part of the foundation here of a life of excellence. And this sets the tone with this verse, Proverbs 9, 10, specifically for that second portion as well, that knowledge of the Holy One, or knowledge of God, is understanding. 
So it's interesting, this is not something I call it until later on in my life and doing this study more as of late. But there's a, when I see is, I see this an equal sign, so to speak. Knowledge of the Holy One equals this ability to understand. And just getting into that a little bit of why would that equal understanding? Well, one, in my mind at least, for the simple fact that God being the originator, the creator of all things, all things coming from him, not only that, but the Bible talking about in his design of creation, when we look at the world and the things that are made, the character of God, his attributes, even the power of the Godhead is all revealed in different ways in the things he's made. And you can find that in Romans chapter 1. But it talks about God leaving his fingerprint or evidence of himself and what he's like and what he does in the things that he has made so that we have evidence. It says in that verse so that men are without excuse as to who God is and what he's about. So most importantly, we have his word that explains it and lays it out perfectly for us. But also in creation, the world around us, we can see this evidence of God and what he has made because everything he's made has a fingerprint or a resemblance of him in it. So that's where this comes from, is that the more you understand about the point of origin, God, the creator, the person through whom all things came, the more you begin to have this level of understanding about why things were made, how they were meant to function. You look in the Bible of how things were meant to be, such as back in the Garden of Eden when things were perfect. And you can look at the world now that's been degraded by sin and see the differences. You can begin to develop understanding and discernment to see where, how far man has fallen. Things of this earth that have changed and have fallen apart compared to the original pattern or the original thing that was made. So that's why knowledge of God equates to the ability to understand. Because when you see the designer, you understand the design more. You see the creator and understand his character and will, you begin to understand why he created what he did and why he created it in certain ways or why he created you the way you are, etc. So that's the foundation as we get into the knowledge and understanding being the foundation of a life of excellence. You need to develop understanding from step one. Go to the point of origin. God himself to understand why he did what he did. To begin to see the world around you in a different light. So that's very important as we get further into this. That's the key. And so taking that a step further, building on that ability to understand, which is rooted in the knowledge of who God is, we stay in the book of Proverbs. And we go over to Proverbs chapter 17, so probably just a few pages over in your Bible. Proverbs 17, verse 27. And then, again, this is one where it's very helpful to look at it in a King James Version to see the continuation of the theme we're talking about here and how certain words are translated. So Proverbs 17, 27 says this, He that has knowledge spares his words, and a man of understanding is of an excellent spirit. And again, primarily focusing on the second half of that verse, or the second sentence in a way, a man of understanding is of an excellent spirit. Now we're getting into this life of excellence, which is a spiritual component to your life, and your life is spiritual. So understanding that the root is in the spiritual side of things, not in the physical, in terms of operating in excellence. And again, just to make sure we keep the thoughts in mind and the couple of verses we're building on, that understanding or the ability to understand comes from knowing about God. And that ability to understand being developed and used in you also helps to develop this excellent spirit that's within a person. So that's kind of the train of thought and where the scripture is leading us right now. It takes that ability to understand the world around you, understand information, process things in that type of way, to begin to operate in excellence, to get good results, to get things accomplished, to be a 
solver to problems. And that's especially important because if this is helping us understand heavenly things, spiritual things, how much more does the ability of understanding that's getting developed in us by this knowledge, how much more does it help us understand information of this world? Basic things that people work with when you have this ability to understand and digest and process information in a very powerful way. So that's what God wants us to have in this Christian life. And this ability he wants us to use consistently. If we're to have a life of excellence, it starts with having an excellent spirit that comes from the ability to understand, which comes from knowledge of the Holy One. So you can see this train of thought we're building here and the information we're building step by step because I want it to be practical, understandable. I want you to leave this episode and begin to put this into practice to see excellence in your own life, but tracing it all the way back to the source so that you can see how it's effective and why God built it in this type of way. And there's multiple examples, probably many examples in the Bible that we can go to to highlight this ability at work. One character that I love in the Bible is Daniel. M most famous for Daniel in the lion's den, of course, but we're going to be looking at one story here in Daniel chapter 5, which again, some of the wording when we're looking at excellence or this idea that we're at right now of an excellent spirit, the King James Version is helpful in the story of Daniel. So it's Daniel chapter 5, verses primarily verses 11 and 12, or Daniel chapter 5, verses... 10 through 12. And just to give some context of the situation, it's currently in the days of Babylon. Babylon is the reigning kingdom power within this territory. And they've, you know, they've taken over Israel. Daniel started as a captive from the Israelites. He's a high position in the government now, working for the king of Babylon. And the first king, Nebuchadnezzar, um, is gone and his son is now king. And this is at the very end of the time that Babylon will be in charge of the land because the, the, uh, the powers of the Medes and the Persians are about to come take over Babylon. And we're at this key point in history and in the history of these kingdoms as well with the character Daniel being involved. And there's this feast, this banquet that the king's at and a lot of people. Um, just a quick summary, you can read through the chapter yourself as well for this context. But God supernaturally and powerfully writes, this hand appears and writes these words on a wall, which is a prophecy about the downfall of the Babylonian kingdom and this new kingdom that's coming in to take over. The king doesn't understand. He's scared to death, honestly. It says in here that his, his knees are knocking, his face is pale, and none of his magicians, his wise men, his diviners on the Babylonian side, um, no one can give interpretation or understanding, which makes him all the more afraid. So he has this mysterious message that happens. He's terrified. No one can answer it for him. And then here comes Daniel into the scene. But before he even arrives, it says the queen at the time, she gives this introduction. She offers this solution or a person that will have the solution to the king to give this interpretation of what's going on, to give him understanding and guidance as a wise man. And so here comes Daniel, and she gives, I picture like uh, how they give an introduction to someone that's giving a commencement speech or things like that. Great introduction of their accolades and achievements so that you have respect and your attention focused on the person who's about to speak. So here's the queen giving this introduction to this man, Daniel. Um, and and it, starting in verse 10, it says this, Now the queen, by reason of the words of the king and his lords, came into the banquet house. And the queen spoke to the king and said, O king, live forever. Don't let these thoughts trouble you nor let your countenance be changed. He said, There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. 
And in the days of thy father, light and understanding and wisdom, like wisdom of the gods, was found in him, whom the king Nebuchadnezzar, your father, the king, I say, your father, made master or head over all the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers. So all the types of wise men and advisors that the kingdom had, she's saying, listen, your father, the king, put this man in charge of all of them because of his ability. And here it is in verse 12, that word we're looking for. For as much as an excellent spirit and knowledge and understanding, interpreting of dreams and showing of hard sentences, dissolving of doubts were found in the same man Daniel, who the king named Belshazzar. Now let Daniel be called and he will show you the interpretation of these things. Now then, that was out of the King James Version. But this powerful introduction that the queen gives to Daniel, and some of them in my other Bible, the New International Version, it says one of his abilities is not only explaining difficult riddles, but solving complex problems, which I really liked. It says of him, he has this excellent spirit. And then right after that, she says knowledge and understanding, like we were talking about in the book of Proverbs. So these principles are not just something that sound good or that are motivational. They're something that are lived out in the lives of people to great effect. Daniel being one example of many in the Bible and many people in the church, followers of Jesus outside of the Bible, who are living by these principles and seeing the exact same results. Results I want to live in, and results I want to share with you, or principles I want to share with you, so we can all walk in the same excellence and represent God correctly. So it's just this powerful example of Daniel having this audience with the king. And what's crazy just in his story, not only this does he come in and give the interpretation, but the new kingdom comes in, the Persians and the Medes, they take over the kingdom of Babylon and all the territory, yet they hire Daniel on, and he's a high-up advisor because of his abilities given by God, rooted in knowledge and understanding, his ability to solve complex problems and be effective administration. It's just an incredible example that he is. I mean, how often for us... Does, you know, typically when a new president is elected to office in the United States, they get their whole own cabinet. They bring in their own advisors, their own cabinet, a whole new team of people. This is a totally different government kingdom coming in, yet Daniel is so effective, they've adopted him from the previous ones. Not only did he start as a prisoner of war and then was placed high up in the government of this foreign nation, another nation moves in, takes over, and places him equally as high because he's so valuable by the excellent spirit developed in him from the knowledge of God. So it's just, again, it blows my mind at the example of working in Daniel's life and doing something that would be hard to imagine happening in our government here today. Another verse of Proverbs to add and to kind of insulate the story of Daniel there that he is living out. And it's Proverbs chapter 22, verse 29. Not getting too much into it, I just want to read it for you to have it in mind. And... Proverbs twenty two twenty nine says, Do you see someone who's very good at his work or diligent in his business? It says, He will stand before kings. He will not stand before average men. And again, we just read that. He's getting the audience with the king. The queen is giving him an amazing introduction. F different governments are adopting Daniel and promoting him to the highest place because of how effective he is by his excellent spirit. Fulfilling Proverbs twenty two twenty nine in his own life. So what do we do with this? Again, this is just beginning to come into the topic, but what do we do with it for an excellent life? How do we live that and represent God and his glory in the best way possible by not just talking about encouraging loving things, but getting results in our life because we operate by a knowledge that comes from the Holy One? We're going to read it here out of Proverbs. Proverbs 16, verse 3. 
And this will be getting to, so what do you do? This is what you start to do. Proverbs 16.3 says, Commit your works unto the Lord, and your thoughts will be established. Some versions say, your plans will be successful. I kind of put them both together in the different translations of committing your work to the Lord, or commit your work to the Lord, and they will succeed by your thoughts being established by God. He will establish your thoughts in you. And this is the uh, part that I think of coming to God with a blank slate. If we want to develop in this knowledge and understanding and get these results in our life, we have to stop operating by our own agendas and plans. It can be hard sometimes, but you come to God saying, God, I have this situation at work, or I'm trying to plan out what next year will look like, or we're trying to plan this, that, and the other in our marriage, in our home, whatever it may be. But how often, instead of coming to God with an agenda and asking him to bless it or work within it, how often are we committing the entire plan to God? Coming like with a blank slate and having him fill in the details. Because if he fills in the details, not only will your thoughts be established, the plan will be successful. But often I find if I come with my own agenda to God, asking him to bless it or to, for him to approve it in some type of way, I don't always get results because it's my plan. Instead, from step one, give the planning to him. Let him fill in the details by his word, because he's going to draw you to the Bible. Then start to see what success comes and what is developed in you and what type of people you will get the attention of because you're a person that gets results and that solves problems. That's something very effective that we should all strive for. A second part of what should you do, partnering the first in Proverbs. Matthew 7, 24, the words of Jesus speaking to the group of people here. And I really love this. It's the story of the wise builder and the foolish builder, the one who built his house on the rock and the one who built it on the sand, a very well-known parable and story of Jesus. But one little section here, Matthew 7, 24, I just want to highlight with this, and what do we do? And Jesus says, The one, therefore, whoever hears the sayings of me and puts them into practice or does them, I will liken unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And he goes on to explain the consequences of each. But simply put, Jesus said, if you take my words, the wisdom and knowledge of God, and you put it into practice, that's when you're going to get results. And I like what Jesus says here, and I'll give you what it translates to in my mind as well. He says, I will liken him into a wise man. At first, when I read that, just to add some humor to it in a way, I thought, if you put the words of Jesus to practice, you listen to his words, you put him into practice, he might just confuse you with a wise person. At least that's how I applied it to myself. Jesus just might confuse me with a wise person if I put his words into practice instead of some other kind of wisdom. So if that is the, the qualification Jesus himself is giving you just by putting his words into practice, I think they're worth giving it a shot and basing your plans around his words and wisdom and not your own if he himself will look at you and look at you like a wise man. So that was very impactful upon me and very important for me, again, in kind of a humorous way, but I want Jesus to confuse me with a wise person for sure. And our final word here, summarizing these thoughts and just beginning to dive into what an excellent life looks like, like the life of Daniel, it's back to Proverbs. Proverbs 3, 13 through 18. Proverbs 3, 13 through 18. And I have no need to give my own interpretation of this. I'm just going to read the verses as is because it speaks for itself. And it says this in Proverbs 3.13, Happy is the man that finds wisdom, and the man that gets understanding. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver, and the gain thereof is better than the gain of fine gold. She is more precious than rubies, 
and everything that you could desire are not to be compared with her. Length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her, and happy is every one that retaineth her. I mean, if that isn't a life of excellence explained there, I don't know what is. So I appreciate you again, um, you listening and studying with me. I hope you go back over these verses, digest the information, and take it much further than I've started here to understand what is a life of excellence and what does God call you to be in that life. So thank you again for listening.